Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Welcome to a special episode of the Give First podcast. You've got both David and Brad today, and I want to set it up because in 2015, our guest today, who's Keith Coleman, he was running a high uptime web hosting company and realized that unauthenticated email created a big vulnerability for his customers. He found that there are and have been a bunch of solutions to this problem, but email authentication had been really challenging to manage. So he started offering management hosting solutions for these policies to his customers and called Fraudmark. So that was the beginning. And in 2017, Techstars got involved and invested when the company went through our Atlanta class that year. And since then, Fraudmark has grown a lot. It's worked with internet giants like Google, Microsoft, and Comcast. And the business has really started to take off. So Fraudmark's website says, we strongly believe in the Techstars Give First philosophy. That's why we feel it's important to share our expertise about email authentication and why many of our tools, free reports, hands-on assistance, and other information are free. But today, our guest Keith recently gave me some direct feedback. He said that many founders and tech stars were feeling that the Give First philosophy was more for people who had already made it, and that startup founders generally feel they can't easily give first because their resources and time are very limited. Basically, Keith wasn't sure that Give First was the right philosophy for new founders who are super focused on the very survival of their company. So today we thought David and I would discuss the feedback with Keith, get his thoughts, and sort of stretch out some the actual idea of Give First as Many people have formed their own views, and there's no authoritative view yet about what Give First is. So we view this as good input to continue to evolve. So with that, Keith, welcome to the show. Let's start with you sort of doing a better job of laying out the feedback you gave me versus my sort of mediocre paraphrase of you. You're right on, man. The part that's missing is how nervous I was before I emailed you and David. I think my subject was Give First, Finish Last. That bit that's on our website was written around the time we went into Techstars. We thought it was going to be, an, you know, we're just going to do this steady climb into the unicorn territory and just make the world better and fix the internet and all of these lofty things. And that didn't happen at all. We went straight on down through the trough of sorrow, starting with Techstars, continuing through Techstars. It was a bumpy ride there. And we've emerged on the other side, I think. I don't know. I guess you never know. But things are looking up right now. And I've been reaching out and talking to a lot of other Techstars founders, people who went through in my cohort back in 2017. And I've asked a lot of people, do they do this give first thing? And I'm usually met with the response of just a chuckle and like, no. I've even poked around a little bit in you all's backyard with some early Techstars employees. And a lot of people, they don't quite understand it. They think it's more something that is reserved after you have, to quote a I think a mutual hero of all of ours, Jack Bogle, once you reach the enough category. I think it's important that we start give first earlier, long before you're in that enough category. 
Because if you start out being a taker, for example, you're not going to become super wealthy and suddenly change into a giver. So fundamentally, my current view of this is we need to empower entrepreneurs with the grit for giving and the grit to continue giving during that trough of sorrow. Get it built in from the ground level so that when these companies become successful, the ones that do, they already know how to give. Quick response, Keith. I love your framing. Particularly, I love the conclusion. You know, the history of the phrase is one that probably has some continuity issues. And that's one of the challenges. And it's a challenge with anything like this. I personally describe this as my, my own business philosophy and the business philosophy that I've had for a very long time. The way I internalize it likely is different than the way Techstars specifically uses it, both in terms of the culture of Techstars and the message of Techstars. It's not that they're different things, but they're sort of different richness. If you go back to where the phrase first came from, I wrote a section in Startup Community, so it's 2012, and it's very short. It's only a couple of paragraphs. And the section is called Give Before You Get. And I use that as a way of describing an approach to startup communities where you put energy into the system without defining what you're going to get out of it transactionally. And my assertion is that you will get something from it. It's not altruism. You're not just giving. You expect to get something. You just don't know what it's going to be, when you're going to get it, what form it's going to be in, who it's going to come from, and what the magnitude is. So it's unlike the sort of natural transactional motion, hey, Keith, I'll help you with this if you give me this, if you pay me X dollars or if you do the following thing for me. And in some ways, it's a little bit of this notion of there's some balance to it where you build a feedback loop where if people in the startup community have that approach, they start to invest time, energy, resource, whatever they have into that startup community, and then they start to get the benefits of that investment pretty quickly. A flywheel starts to build. That was the origin of it. And I didn't really think that much more about it until someone at Techstars, and we were talking about at Techstars, and it was a thing that would pop up and around, but somebody at Techstars hashtagged it. And David, you may know. It might have been you. I don't, I don't have any idea. Some people said it was Greg Cochran, someone early. I don't know. Someone did it. Somebody hashtagged it and put it on a tweet, and it started sort of being used as a mantra. And the mantra and the philosophy of sort of linking this notion of startup communities this idea of democratizing entrepreneurship around the world, right? That the entrepreneur was at the center of this thing. And we were saying, look, you can build great startups anywhere. That's what Techstars mission is, to help entrepreneurs succeed and to build startups anywhere. And part of building startups anywhere is to build these startup communities. And part of the flavor of that that's essential is this give before you get idea or this give first. There's one other thing that happened at about the same time, which is Adam Grant came out with a book called Give and Take. And Adam's book came out about a couple months before Startup Communities did. And we became friends after that. I knew of him. I don't know if he knew of me, but we got connected. And his book is spectacular and in many ways was very aligned with this notion of give before you get or this notion of give first. But it was very organized around individuals. It was very focused on the person, not the company or the community. And sort of what we were doing with Techstars was broadening it to be around the company or the community. So I say that just as a starting point, because even the initial, if you go back to, again, 2013, 14, 15, the initial, when you first encountered it, it was pretty ill-formed in terms of what it actually meant. 
I'm going to hand it to David for a few minutes to sort of talk about the Techstars early evolution of it. I have some very specific examples of how it instantiates in a way where very early stage entrepreneurs can use it effectively. I also have some examples where it's very commonly misinterpreted. And in some ways, what you said to me in the conversation we had was really helpful in reinforcing to me the way people were interpreting it different than what the intention was. So I want to get to that, but I'm going to sort of give David a few minutes to talk about sort of that evolution early within Techstars, what happened with it, you know, as it went from being a hashtag to a thing on the wall and thing on t-shirts and things that people were starting to really use as a philosophy. Yeah, I think the context is important there because when, Brad, I walked into your office that day and said, hey, I got this idea for Techstars, it was very quickly, hey, let's add this sort of mentorship component to it. And I think you have to remember in the early days, there were a hundred or so mentors in Boulder and planning to help 10 companies. And so to your point, Keith, we were trying to sort of appeal to this notion of, hey, give first and let's help these entrepreneurs succeed and that'll build the community. And as that's grown to where Techstars has 50 different accelerators every year, there are now something like 8,000 mentors. And even today, if you looked at the line in the graph of founders versus mentors, there are more mentors today than there are founders. That's going to cross over soon or right now to where the founder network is now bigger. And so the idea was to try to instill in those founders this notion that they're getting all this help from the community early on and that we want them to do what you're doing, which is turn around and contribute back to nonprofits or community foundations, give to others as a way of life, not give, give, give and never get back, but as Brad described, get back in some unexpected way from the network. And to me, that's been a big part of the success of it. So when, when the feedback from you is people don't really understand it, I think it's on us to clarify that startups don't have to do that at the same level as, for example, someone who has already made it, as you gave in the feedback, that term, or who is a mentor, for example. But you can build that way of life, that philosophy into your thinking. And so I think that's what we want to focus on in the rest of the conversation. But where it comes from is this need to really market to the mentors to give first early on and then to try to instill that in the founders. I'll add one thought to that because I remember it so clearly when I time travel back to 2006. You know, many of those older mentors were from my network and people I knew. And I was reaching out and saying, hey, we're doing this thing and this is what we want. And, you know, I'd say 50% of them would say, great, I'm in. And 25% would say, tell me what I need to do. And, you know, they want to understand it a little bit better before they say, great, I'm in. And then after you explain it, they say, great, I'm in. And then probably another 25% maybe less, I don't know, 10% to 25% said, what's in it for me? And I remember being baffled by that when somebody would say, what's in it for me? And I probably had, it was less than 10. So I don't know what the percentage is, but there's less than 10 people that I had conversations with. And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, that's part of the thing that I think is exciting about this, which is I don't know what's in it for you, but my guess is it's a relatively low investment of your time and energy. And it's certainly no money to do something that could, at the minimum, is probably going to be fun and interesting and might have some benefit for you. And of that, I, I don't remember the number of people that I asked that said, you know what, not this summer. Or if you can't define what's in it for me, I'm not interested. It was a couple, three, two, three, four people. And that was fine. I wasn't offended by their viewpoint and it wasn't problematic. They just didn't opt in. And I kind of remember, again, I didn't keep track of it. Maybe somebody kept track of it, but I just literally don't remember how many of those couple, three or four people, then the next year became mentors or the year after became mentors. I do know, I can think of at least two of them who in that first year said, not for me, that then ended up 
saying, hey, I want to go play. I want to be part of that now that I see what it is. And of course, the answer was, please come play. You're welcome in. It's not a these hard lines of you have to make this commitment that you have to behave a certain way. And if you aren't willing to make this commitment, then you're not part of the club. It was this notion of inclusiveness of anyone, but with sort of this underlying philosophy. So the orientation of it was not just aimed at the mentors, because we had the same kinds of conversations with investors and, you know, some of whom were mentors, but the same kind of conversations with service providers. The idea was, look, we've got, you know, these entrepreneurs that are going through Techstars. They're at the very beginning of their journey. They have very little resources. You know, what they have is time, but even that's constrained. And what they need is help. And and our job is to help them with the resources we have but not take resources away from them. So they don't have any money, so charging them for this is not going to work. They have a finite amount of time, so what we're doing is we should do things that help get them more time, whether that's helping them figure things out or provide resources to them or provide connections to them or solve problems for them. And they're trying to build networks, so we have big networks from lots of us. You know, let's try to provide the network. So that's, again, the origin. So I'll pause there, Keith, when you hear that, and sort of process that as the origin of it versus what you experienced sort of in 2017 timeframe. What's your reaction? Is it like, yeah, that's all nice, Brad, but that's exactly how it was positioned and yet, or was there evolution in that five or six or seven or eight year period that caused some of it to go off the rails? Brad, thanks for sharing that with me. I should clarify, as the beneficiary of the giving first that you all have built into the network, it's been phenomenal. The place where I've run into challenge is in trying to embrace and live with even more of this give first mindset myself. You know, some of the most rewarding and satisfying things in my life have centered around giving. So the reason we have a company, the reason we're growing, the reason we are creating value, it's that. It's the value creation process. It's giving that out to people. That's where we get our satisfaction. You guys have mentioned Adam Grant's book, which you turned me on to, and it is phenomenal, for sure. Talking about some of the tactical approaches to how to deal with others let me not get too far into that. From the mentor network, Give First has been awesome. From the companies that give sponsorship, it's been awesome. I think you all have single-handedly created that whole uh, ecosystem of these service providers that give huge amounts of resources and their own services to early-stage startups. And I love hearing in other episodes of this podcast where you share about the synergy, the win-win that's created from that, that it's not a zero-sum game. From that standpoint, I think Give First is awesome. The main part I would like to improve, I think we can do this, is give early stage entrepreneurs easier ways that they can find their balance so they don't burn out early. So they don't stop giving when they hit hard times. I mean, you guys have this awesome platform, right? There's thousands of companies who have now gone through Techstars. Another part, Brad, that I heard in your explanation is this thing took off and became bigger than you had imagined, right? It started off as just a small phrase, then it became a hashtag, and now it's this huge thing. We wouldn't expect every single aspect of it to be perfect for every single perspective right off the bat. I'm just happy to be a part, have some small part in the way this evolves to something that early stage founders can live more in their day-to-day life as opposed to only receiving it. So when you think about the balance for founders, right, when it gets hard, when their business is struggling, they're literally just trying to keep the thing alive, right? You know, in the trough of sorrow or whatever you want to call it. I think that maybe one of the misinterpretations, it's unintended, and it's on us again, I think, to give better examples and messages to the network, is that you know it has to be this enormous, painful give. But instead, I think the idea is just recognize 
in the context of the accelerator or however mentors or investors or service providers are helping you, that that's what they're doing. And what they would love to see is to have you and your business give that back over time in ways that are appropriate for the business. No one wants to cause pain or stress for the business. So I think that balance is the key message that maybe is missing. And that's what we talked about initially when you gave feedback. I wonder if there are any examples or suggestions on how we might do that better based on your experiences, Keith. In our company, we're really happy for this opportunity where we could pledge 1% of our equity that at the time was worth not very much. I'll just leave it at that. We did pledge 1% to the Texas Foundation. This was after a conversation. In fact, I think we made the pledge across the table from you, Brad, in San Diego, if I recall correctly. Yep, I remember that night well. We're happy for that way where we could support into the foundation. The part that really just threw me off the rails on our whole Give First journey, for me personally and for my company, Fraudmark, is when Andrea, who was the director of the Techstars Foundation, gave me this amazing opportunity. Hey, write a blog post. Let's talk about why Fraudmark chose to give first. And I thought, well, this is awesome. You know, I, I'm going to talk about how it's going to inspire our employees. It's going to give everyone this warm feeling. We're going to support the foundation, which I want to get into that later about how valuable the foundation is and how much I like that. But where I got off the rails is I needed to come up with examples of how giving first and how this donation to the foundation helped Fraudmark. And I came up empty. Now, I didn't just initially come up empty. I was like so pumped. Like I was just on cloud nine, like, oh, this is great. Like another uh, cool thing we can do. And I started telling a few of my mentors. And the first mentor that I told this to you that we had pledge 1% of our equity to the foundation. And like that was the result of hanging out with you. Brad, my mentor said, why the heck would you do that? What's in it for you? And it, it just really, it shook me up a little bit. I thought this was going to be like a pat on the back, a high five, like welcome to the club kind of a thing. And instead he's just like, you should focus on running your freaking business. You don't need to do these other things. Yeah, that was a setback. Uh, so then I thought, well, let me just show him. Like I'm going to show him how giving first in the context of our company, Fraudmark, has been beneficial. And what I realized is it's an issue of time scales. In the context of this narrow time frame that Fraudmark has existed, we haven't seen a whole bunch of payback for the amount of giving that we've done. I believe that we all agree that that's the expectation. It's like, I know you all play tennis. I grew up playing tennis too. You're not trying a new serve when it's love 40, second serve. That's not the time to experiment on some of these things. That feels like, at least in my journey through this kind of trough of sorrow with Fraudmark, it felt like it was always love 40, second serve, just on the cusp of failure the entire time. Right? I think that's a, a beautiful, fun thing when you look back on it. But at the time, it's not always that fun. You need some money to take to the grocery store. Founders are like early stage founders, I should say, are perpetually not far off from not making payroll and not giving their employees and themselves something to take to the grocery store and buy food. This is where I, uh, my thinking is currently, it's like, as Adam Grant said, better than I can. You give proportionally, you make sure you're not just doing the give, give, give thing. I think you said two things that are really powerful. I want to reflect them back. I think I can stretch them out some. The first was the conversation with the mentor, and the second was this notion of timescales, and they're related. So you did pledge 1%. You got something from it. It created an emotional response in you that was a strong, positive emotional response. And I don't know what the conversation with your team was, but even the dinner that we had, I would say it created a set of, they were not terribly tangible, but probably intangible dynamics. The intangible dynamics would include the time we spent together. It would, whether you recognize it or not, because of the time that we spent together and your response to what, again, I describe as my business philosophy and you taking action on something, 
it has caused me, again, whether you know it or not, it has caused me to prioritize you higher than others, even though I don't have a significant involvement with the company other than through Techstars. So you can say, well, that's that has no value to me, Brad, for you to be more involved and prioritize me other than others. But I would suggest that there's probably some value in that, relatively speaking. But very hard to measure. Like, what's the tangible value there? There's no tangible value. And then conversation with your employees, you don't know how powerful it can be to have that as a recruiting and retention tool unless you ask specifically. And I'll give an example. One of the companies that's a later stage company that I'm involved in that just committed to pledge 1%. It's a pre-IPO company and they're doing it as part of their IPO motion motivated by companies like SendGrid and Twilio and others that did it in that motion. The CFO of that company sent me a note and her note was so powerful. She said, it is so unusual and so positively unexpected that the investors in the company would be encouraging this at this stage. And it's so aligned with the CEO's value system in terms of his own personal value system. It's aligned with the cultural norms of the company that has been very successful. But it was so unexpected from her frame of reference as a CFO that an investor would support something like this. And it wasn't just me. It was this company has another major investor in it who is not part of the pledge 1% universe. And when explained to him, he's like, yep, that totally locks in with the value. I'm completely supportive of doing that. Let's go. So there's a lot of intangible dynamics just from the action. And then I'll link it to the comment the mentor said. The mentor says, well, you don't have time for that. You should just be focusing on your business. I would suggest that you are focusing on your business because your business is a whole series of things including establishing and maintaining those cultural norms that you care about as a founder, because that's one of the things you get to do as a founder. You get to define, nurture, and maintain the cultural norms. And they're especially powerful when you're five days away from running out of money and you got to go to your company and say, hey, gang, like we're all in this together. This is what's going on. If those cultural norms are ones that everybody subscribes to, again, there's value there in what they're buying into versus just this mercenary frame of reference. And then that links to the, the other thing you said, which I think is so important, is time scale. You go back to give first. When I first wrote about it, the idea was you put energy into the system without defining transactionally what you're going to get back. You do expect to get something back. You just don't know when, from whom, over what time frame, in what consideration, and in what magnitude. And so time frame is really important here where your mentor in that moment is saying, look, you got to pay attention to tomorrow. If you don't pay attention to tomorrow, you're fucked. Like that's all that matters is tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. <laughs> that's valid feedback, but it's one dimensional feedback because another mentor might say to you, yeah, you got to pay attention to tomorrow, but you also got to lay the groundwork for next week, next month, next year, where you're going. And yeah, you got to put 98% of your energy on tomorrow, but you got to put a little energy into that longer arc or else the people that you're trying to recruit are not going to come along for the ride or they're not going to stick when it gets really bumpy. And so this sort of challenge as a founder is that you do have this interesting time frame that you've got to deal with, the immediate short term, but also this sort of longer arc of this thing you're trying to create. Back to where David said at the beginning, and I think you said it again with Adam Grant, this notion of proportionality is powerful, right? If you're now multi-time successful entrepreneur, you've made your fortune, now your job as some very, very, very successful 
people have said is now to give it away, right? Or to be in a mode where they're giving back. Philosophically, my view is you can weave that into the arc all along the way. But there's no sense that somebody that's at the beginning, there's there's no logic that somebody who's at the beginning of their journey should be spending 90% of their time on that and only 10% of their time on their business. So that proportionality becomes an important piece of it as well. Brad, when you said, you know, when it gets really bumpy, what happens? And and I try to make a concrete example out of it because I've seen it a zillion times, is that when you are in this mode and and you're giving first into a network, you don't know how it's going to come back. It could literally all be in a moment, right? If a company, Fraudmark or any other, were to, for example, struggle at some point, really need capital, really need to find an exit, it's more likely that the people that you've you know, sort of supported the business philosophy in, in the network are going to go out of their way. When Brad says, you know, you're on my mind, I'm thinking about you, let's have a call, you call me anytime. That's powerful in a particular future moment that may or may not happen. So I, th- I think that this philosophy is the key. And Brad, perhaps as someone who has sort of done more in his career, made it, maybe feels like he's giving these really big things, right? He's he's making grants to philanthropic endeavors, through the foundation on his own, and in lots of other ways, just one example, no one would expect a startup, someone earlier in their career to be able to do that. But when I think we see people who are sort of living that philosophy and other people in the network see that, there's more desire to help in that future moment when it does get bumpy because you want to promote that person and that business philosophy because we understand the power of it long-term. So you may not feel that payback for a long time. You may not ever feel the payback of, giving 1% to the Techstars Foundation, for example, or for any other particular instance of giving first. But in aggregate, right, and there's no way to do math around the aggregate like the mentor was trying to do. That's a really key point. Somewhere along the line, it's going to come back to you and help you in a critical and really important moment when it is bumpy, is my guess. Here's one other comment, which was a conversation I had several years ago with somebody who was being, they were approaching the idea of give first aggressively and cynically. It was not a hostile conversation, but it was a very aggressive conversation. It was somebody that reasonably well-known, I would say pretty successful with a reputation of being very me first in terms of him. When you talk about an organization, this was a person who would say I instead of we. And he was being aggressive and the challenge to me, he said, all right, what have been the benefits to you of this philosophy? And I blah, 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 whatever I said. He said, okay, but what were the tangible benefits? You know, I gave him a couple of things that I thought were examples. He said, those are all qualitative. What were the quantitative benefits? And I thought about that for a second. And I said to him, I don't care. And he said, what what do you mean? And I said, I don't measure them quantitatively. I have no capacity to tell you what quantitative benefits are. He says, well, that that means there's no quantitative benefits. I said, no, no, no. I think there have been very quantitative benefits to this philosophy. I'm just not interested in measuring them. He says, well, have the quantitative benefits outweigh the costs? And I said, I have no interest in trying to do that analysis. He became angry. You know, it was like one of those conversations where the person on the other side is frustrated with you and they're trying to pin you down. And he said, well, I don't remember what it was, but something like, why won't you do that? He says, because, because I'm happier. I know that I'm happier because I comport myself this way. I have lots of ups and downs and I have lots of things that are challenging and I have lots of things that fail and I have plenty of things that have succeeded. But I know that by comporting myself this way, I'm happier. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. Like he really didn't know where to go from that. 
because, well, I don't care about your happiness. That's not important. Like, that's not the thing that matters. Like, you kind of can't get into, like, what's the point of living? What are you trying to do? The more quantitative he drove it to and the more narrow focused it was being driven to, in some ways, the squishier the whole thing got. And his hyper-rational mind was, which, again, is totally fine because it's not, and I want to impose this philosophy on you. It's, you can reject it. It's totally fine if you reject it. I think it's ridiculous. And I kind of said that to him at some point. I'm like, I'm not trying to convince you to do this. No, no, no. I really want to understand this because I want to try to figure out why this is so important to you. I'm like, well, at some point I said, well, why do you care? What does it matter why it's important? I'm trying to understand it. Okay, well, and off you go. So I, I use that as an example. I've had a number of conversations like that over the years. None of them are bothersome. They're all sort of interesting because there are some people, almost by definition, who aren't going to subscribe to a particular philosophy. And there are lots of people who, by definition, are going to have a different frame of reference. When I say, I believe deeply that we should be able to democratize entrepreneurship globally and that anyone should be able to start a company anywhere in the world that they want to be and that there should be startup communities all over the world. There are plenty of other examples in the world of people who don't agree with that or that think, well, it's important for us to have a key startup community in this place. So I think it's interesting to put pressure on this notion of give first. I think in a lot of ways, it's very powerful for us in a way that I haven't thought of before to talk out loud about sort of how a founder interprets it and what we can do better from a perspective of tech stars with founders in terms of how we say, hey, this is what give first means because of its amorphous sense. So maybe sort of shift to that for a few minutes as we sort of get to the end of our time. Like, Keith, if you give us advice, how can we make Give First better and better defined for founders? What would you do? What would that be? First off, we do want to keep encouraging people down this path. I feel so convinced that there are the benefits. This is exactly the conversation I was hoping to have with you guys. You're just taking a deeper look at it. The way that I presently view this is um, a little bit like I think of an, any other type of investing. Give First, at the scale that you and David and many of the other people who've been on this podcast, at the scale you all are able to give, it's just mind-blowing. It's like long-term investments paying off. I think about Vanguard and their investment philosophy. It's like we need to make sure people have their emergency funds built up. Then they start packing away just a little bit in their longer-term investments. If someone is like not going to make their grocery order in the upcoming weeks or they're not going to make payroll, they don't need to be loading in heavy on index funds and holding them for the long term. We need these smaller, like more actionable bits. I don't have all the answers for you, unfortunately. <laughs> and of course not. But when I look at Vanguard and I look at their messaging, I think the three of us, I believe, are pretty much on the same page about these long-term investments and how you don't have to care about short-term fluctuations in the value. I can keep throwing my money towards Vanguard at this point, even when the market is completely slipping. Like that doesn't bother me at all because it's on a different time horizon and the satisfaction of just knowing that by the time we have a new baby, by the time that she's old enough to be on her own, like we should be able to help her with education. This is from this long-term investment philosophy. But something that I, I think we could do a little bit to help these early stage founders would be talk to them about the downside. You mentioned, Brad, I saw a post on your blog in October where you said you've been thinking a lot about both the positives and negatives of it lately. I think that this kind of conversation is exactly what early founders need to hear, that it's not going to be just all high fives after you do some giving. 
it's not just about the philanthropy, but also about giving towards your employees. If you give someone a second chance or a third chance because you think they're, or you know that they're going through some hard things personally, is that really what the company can handle or do you need someone that delivers? Well, at present, I don't know. I've remained long on people that are in my ecosystem. I believe it'll be the right choice. I have several mentors and advisors to me that are convinced it was the wrong choice and is the wrong choice. These kinds of things would be helpful I think, to early stage companies. And let me give you a specific example. Vanguard isn't just sitting back there and being like, look at how awesome it performs in the long term when you just buy and hold an S&P 500 index fund. No, their messaging is, I'm just looking at their Twitter, why talk about a market downturn now? And then you know, they go into this whole thing, building up the resilience for people to hold their investments and to stick with their strategy during the bumpy times because they know it's a long-term kind of a payoff. Yeah, maybe just some more of that kind of talk probably would have helped me when I was going through the more trough of sorrow. Because absolutely, Brad, knowing you, getting to know you and David better, Ryan, your partner at Foundry Group, you all have been very helpful to us. It's absolutely improved the trajectory of our business, that relationship that we've been able to form. So now in 2021, even 2020 and 19, I could point to several tangible benefits of how this giving philosophy really did move the needle for our company. But in that early day, when Andrea gave me the opportunity to write a blog post, I was coming up empty. I could point to things in my whole life where giving had paid off. But in that narrow time window of fraud mark, our returns hadn't come home yet. I love it. I think I feel a blog post coming on about the actionable small things you can do as a founder and the time scale in which you might expect those things to pay off and that the calculus around when it will pay off or how much it'll pay off is very difficult to do. I think as Brad talked about earlier, it tends to come back, it partially impacts something that ends up having, you know, maybe a more tangible outcome or economic result. It may be the thing that creates that introduction or that enables that scenario, but you may not even know it, right? And so I think the challenge is when you're looking at it from the perspective of, I'm in the first year of my startup, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I don't have anything back yet. Am I giving enough? Am I not giving enough? It's not paying off for me yet. How do I think about that? So maybe we should do more writing around what founders can do to give first that are appropriate for their time scale and resources. That's my big takeaway. I think it's great feedback. David, to that end, I think helping people understand how to identify and quickly switch their philosophy when they're dealing with a taker or a matcher, to use Adam Grant's examples, I think that would help. Keith, super, super helpful. Really both emotionally and intellectually helpful to me. I mean, it's a good continuation of the conversation we've been having. It's fun to do it out loud and in public for anybody that wants to hear. And you exemplify a lot of the, well, you exemplify philosophy, like you could have no motivation to challenge this. Or one could say it's a negative motivation or uncomfortable motivation to challenge this. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> the inverse is that's the essence of the positive. Like, I'm super glad. I mean, I want more people to challenge it because that helps us get clearer about it and helps us be more effective. Fundamentally, if our goal is to help entrepreneurs succeed and on any dimension when we miss on that, hearing about it, the worst thing in the world, I think David or I could do is say, oh, you're wrong. Right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, please spend more time with me. Help me understand this. And so in a lot of ways, that's giving first too, right? You're willing to continue to invest your time in this thing, even though it's not at all clear what the benefit to you is going to be. And I just want to say, I deeply appreciate not just the time, but the willingness to do it in public 
which I hope will motivate other people who may say, well, you know, I've always thought that give first thing was a little cheesy or, wow, I tried to give first and it didn't work at all for me and here's why. Or even that mentor that you had that said, you don't have time for this. I don't know who that is. Like I encourage that person to reach out and not explain why they say that, but engage in the conversation about why they think that and possibly be open to an idea that there might be some benefits to it or continue to challenge, you know, like, nope, I have a strong belief that entrepreneurs should spend 100% of their time in their business. And actually your comment about cultural norms, Brad, is not compelling to me because of the following reasons. Like that's helpful. Even if we don't end up agreeing, just sort of thinking through it's powerful. Brad, I may have come off a little too negative at the beginning. It's not that you're wrong and missing any pieces with Get First. I see this all much more positively. The message has resonated, it sounds like, far more than you all anticipated. What I see in this is an even bigger opportunity to translate this into something that early stage founders can take into their day-to-day operations of their business. It's not that I'm down on it. It's that I think we do have a much bigger opportunity. And it did take a little bit of time for our company to continue growing to kind of see it does work. It's not on as long term of a time frame as what I was afraid. We're only a couple years further down the road. And now I can point to plenty of things where it's helped our company tangibly to live out our interpretation of this Give First philosophy. Keith, thanks for joining us. This has been an awesome conversation. Great special edition of the podcast. Hopefully other founders, you'll share this with them if they've given you some skepticism. Hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully even the mentor that didn't want you spending time on this will hear this and say, wow, this is cool. You're getting some recognition. So hopefully people will also check out Fraudmark, your business. If you want to work with a company that gives first, I can tell you that's Keith and Fraudmark and they're amazing. So hopefully people will check out the business and we'll see you on the next episode of the Give First podcast. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, give first.